Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm your host, Joe Velarde. I'm so excited to have my friend, Kyle Canty, uh, joining us. And one of the things we're doing in this podcast over the last several episodes, we've been going in and out of the valley. Um, usually the podcasts would specifically deal with people who would live in the valley and work in the valley. But I have felt like it was really important in the season that we're in to have people from outside the valley. And Kyle's coming to us from Philadelphia to do a couple of things. One is to help us lead through uh, and, and to understand how do we lead in the midst of COVID-19 and the racial unrest that we're experiencing. Two, uh, these people have influenced my vision for the Valley. So they've had a, a significant role in my life. So I think it's important for you to be able to hear from them. And then the last thing is, I just have a lot of questions about life and leadership. And I think instead of just me taking it all on, I think it's important to share that. And so we just hit the record button and let you guys be in this conversation with us. And so uh, my friend Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Cool. Well, thanks, Joe, for uh, for the invite and uh, being able to get together and uh, just connect. Um, man, uh, like you said, we've known each other for a while and have been uh, doing some ministry together and it's uh it's a, it's a privilege, man. Uh, I think if I, just uh, about myself, let me see, uh, about to turn 46, married 20 years, Dude, three wow. kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be 20, uh, 46 next week. Uh, three kids, um, uh, oldest is 17, have a 15 year old and a seven year old. Uh, so let's say uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy house here. Um, live in Philadelphia, live in West Oak Lane, um, which is in Northwest in the Northwest section of Philly. Um, grew up PK, uh, as if that's a condition or something like that, but no, I grew up PK. <laughs> uh, so we're, I'm in recovery for that. Um, so, you know, uh, privilege, man. It, I, I love the city that I grew up in. Um, I have three older brothers, uh, younger sister, uh, passed away, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, parents are still around kicking, married 55 years. Um, been, uh, assistant pastor at great commission church for 15, almost 16 years. Um, been there about 20 years. And so, um, from the beginning, so it's, uh, that's kind of uh, a real quick synopsis of uh, who I am kind of high level. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think you were 46, man. I thought you were 26. Uh, hey, that was hey, a well, to me, man. <laughs> I think I'll go with that. I think I'll go with, I think I'll go with 26. <laughs> I just thought, man, this guy's a lot wiser uh, for his age, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kyle's, one those, <laughs> Kyle's one of those guys, too, that as you'll hear in this podcast, there's just a lot of, a lot of wisdom and insights uh, that he brings. He's what I would call very thoughtful. And his thoughtfulness leads to um, intentional actions. And I, I see that in him. And I've watched that really play out. And it's been really helpful, even in my own journey, as we've worked through a lot of different things where I'm, I'm prone to like, yo, let's just get to work. <laughs> and I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, hey, 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 guy. Like, I, hey, uh, let's make sure we actually do 
let's make sure we do the thought work uh, and figure this out before we just start like getting busy. And Cal wears a couple of different hats too, which I think is important. And he mentioned one of them or two of them, actually. He's, you know, a husband and a father, but also uh, an assistant uh, pastor at Great Commission Church. And then he also is what's called um, the Send Missionary for Philadelphia, which is called Send, uh, Send Philadelphia Missionary, um, which mm-hmm. really focuses on uh, the Philadelphia area and seeing churches established and started and partnerships mm-hmm. built up and developed. And I want to make sure I'm not speaking for you specifically about how you envision that, but share with us a little bit about uh, what Send Philadelphia is. Sure. sure. Uh, so as a Sin City missionary, um, uh, Sin Network has a strategic focus on about 32 plus cities uh, in North America and uh, just outside of the South. And Philadelphia is one of those areas. I mean, it's a, uh, when you think about Sin Philadelphia and the population, you're looking at um, uh, an incredible amount of people, 6 million people uh, in the region uh, who uh, need to be reached with the good news of Christ. And so uh, you think about South Jersey, Philadelphia proper, the suburbs. Uh, within the vicinity, uh, just outside of Delaware, within, that's the vicinity, that's the target area, looking to plant churches, but, but you know, the intention is to plant the gospel so that we can plant churches. So, um, and so looking at strategically thinking through how can we reach this area uh, for Christ, you know, uh, the missiologists um, basically have done estimates on, you know, how many what was the percentage of believers within this particular region, uh, the Philadelphia region, and some uh, on the low end are like uh, 6.7%, on the high end, uh, 11 to 12% Protestant, uh, evangelical, African-American Christians within this region. And so uh, we've got work to do when you think about those stats, when you think about uh, folks that have not been reached, folks who have never heard of Jesus, folks who are new, to Philadelphia, maybe new immigrants, uh, new neighborhoods are popping up, and we can't assume that people know who Jesus is. And so part of my role is thinking strategically, how do we plant the gospel through men and women who are looking, who have been called to plant churches within this region, and uh, and, and really training, recruiting, training, uh, supporting, uh, overseeing, so, you know, really developing partnerships for them, uh, whatever will sustain them. You know, the work is going to be the work, and it's tough work, um, and it's extremely difficult work, uh, especially in a place like Philadelphia. But what can we do to surround them so that they can accomplish what God has called them to do? And so uh, we partner with planters. Yeah. Can you tell us the difference between planting the gospel and planting a church? Sure. So, uh, I mean, it really gets, it really gets down to intentionality. Um, mm-hmm. if, if I'm looking to, uh, replicate something that I saw, um, maybe a mega church down South or Midwest or whatever in Philadelphia. Um, and I intentionally go in and I'm, the first thing that I'm looking for is a building mm-hmm. and I'm looking for the other trappings that make up a church, uh, a hype band leader or worship team. And, and I'm looking at all those things, but I neglect to actually intentionally share my faith with someone else um, and realizing that on the back end, your, your church may look like that, but you know, the reality is that we've been called to make disciples. Let's let that be the main thing. And Holy Spirit will 
will uh, will, will call folks to himself. Uh, Jesus will build his church. I mean, I believe the Bible says that quite a few times. We see Jesus saying he's in charge of building his church. Uh, We just have to be mindful of our responsibility. And that really has to come first. We have to take uh, what Jesus called us to do so seriously. And so we plant the gospel. We have conversations. Uh, So we, we, we make disciples, we point people to Christ. We don't come with a prefab, um, okay, I want it to look like this at the outset. That might be a vision that you have, but if you're not doing the basics, uh, then we've missed the point. And, you know, taking a model that may work elsewhere and simply dropping it into a context like Philadelphia, um, you can actually, I'm not saying it will absolutely fail, but it may not be that successful of a model when you think about uh, what it means to do contextualized ministry. Uh, and so that's what we're really about uh, doing contextualized ministry. And so, you know, when I, when I come across planters and, and those that want to plant in Philadelphia, I'm looking for, I'm asking the questions, you know, like, who have you shared your faith with recently? Mm-hmm. You know, because if, if you're not doing it now, most likely you're not probably going to be doing it when you arrive. Uh, it's not something that you just turn off and turn off. You even, you either have a missional call, you even understand what the call is uh, to be about the mission of Jesus, or you don't. Um, and so, you know, those are some of those questions that you ask someone that says, man, I feel called to plant, feel called to reach a specific neighborhood as well. Who are you reaching now? Uh, I look for, you know, teachability. I look for folks who are, are willing to learn how to do it in a, a fresh and new context. Uh, so I don't know if I answered your question. I, I, yeah, no, no, no. I think that's really good because I think for just from knowing you and we've talked a bit about this before and I think it's an important conversation piece and whether you are a, a potential church planner or a church planner or just a leader, I think one of the things uh, Kyle said that I think we don't want to miss is do you know the people? Do you know the context? Are mm-hmm. you building relationships and rapport with that context to further understand what actually is the hindrances to receiving and um, coming to an, not only an understanding, but seeing the good news of, of what we would call, and we were going to talk a bit about this, of God's kingdom. Because when we're talking about planning the gospel, we're talking about living from a place where we're, we want to see the kingdom of Jesus lived out. So it's both in the proclamation, mm-hmm. so we want to share which we would both agree with that, but it's also in the demonstration. We want to be people who say, Hey, when we're in the midst of uh, planting something or planting or starting or, or establishing a work, we want to make sure that the, the baseline is the kingdom of God. And one of the things that Kyle has been so passionate about with his role within uh, Sin Philadelphia and the other <laughs> hats that he wears, which are multiple, I won't repeat all of them again, <laughs> is this idea of, of really saying, hey, uh, it's not enough for us to just do church. We've got to be people who are about bringing what the, the Bible calls shalom. Mm-hmm. And, and it uses this, this word shalom throughout the, the scripture. So can, can you help us, Kyle, just understand what that word shalom means, um, sure. what sure. that looks like even in, in our everyday living in, I would even asked too, and, and I'll, you know, I'll repeat some of this for you too, because I know I'm giving you a couple of things. What does that mean even in our cultural context right now with all the racial unrest? You know, sure. because I, I think sometimes there's that disconnect. Again, when we say start a church and plant the gospel, um, 
those things can work together, but it depends on, again, if you understand what our role is here sure, um, in, sure. in, in, the, in the world. So can you just unpack a bit of the Shalom concept? Yeah. So, um, so, so primarily I passage of reference in uh, Jeremiah 29, seven, a uh, uh, little bit of background the, the people of um, Israel had sinned and they were uh, exiled uh, and um, exile, seven year exile, um, Babylon. And so uh, the instruction that they were given uh, through the prophet uh, was to, you know, you're, you're going to experience this exile. Um, you're going to be taken to a foreign place. Uh, and what I want you to do, they were they were actually given a mission while in exile. And uh, part of that mission was to seek the peace of the city to where I am sending you. Uh, so as they landed in this foreign place, uh, God told them to settle down there, marry, uh, develop connections there. And he tells them to seek the peace of the city, the peace and prosperity of the city to where I've sent you. So even in a mission, or being sent, uh, you know, as a result of rebellion uh, and enduring consequences, they were still to be on mission and they would seek the peace of the city, seek the restoration of the city and pray for it. And there were some other things that they were called to do. But the whole idea of, um, and that, and that word there, seek the peace or the, the welfare or the wholeness of the city is, is to settle and, and really be about the work of God uh, as you are there. And so that whole idea of shalom, uh, it is a word that works uh, alongside of brokenness. So I always think of brokenness. And when I think of brokenness, I, I, think, of, I think of all communities. So all communities, whether you're suburban, rural, or urban, you deal with brokenness. Now, some of our communities are better able to hide it. Some of them are, are the, the brokenness is a lot more acute and raw. Um, some are, you know, but, but brokenness exists throughout. And so the whole idea of shalom is if it's, if it's broken and as a result of sin in our world, there is brokenness all around us. Shalom is what God does through his people. Shalom is what God does uh, in these broken places, bringing, uh, bring, bring, making things whole, uh, creating a sense of whole, uh, creating a sense of healing. Uh, is, is, the, is the result of shalom existing in a place. And so when I think about um, demonstrations or, or examples of shalom in places, I think about yesterday. Yesterday, uh, we had a prayer event, and we went down 52nd and Market. And so we got together with some other believers uh, from, from other traditions, and we went and we prayed at 52nd and Market, which is, uh, which is in West Philly, a community that exists, like other urban communities, uh, it exists uh, because of a result, because of intentional systemic oppression, uh, systemic racism, policies, uh, whether it be business, uh, whether it be real um, homeownership policies, all those things are, that's, they, that's brokenness. And so brokenness is going to show up in, in certain ways. And in, at this, in this particular location, it shows up in, in um, check cashing places, uh, charging exorbitant fees for poor people to actually cash check, drug sales, prostitution, violence, um, homelessness. You saw all this, uh, it exists down there. And so as the people of God, we are coming in and we are praying, but we don't stop in prayer because 
you know, some, some Christians is just, let's just pray. You know, prayer sometimes can, can almost be like pouring salt. And we were like, yeah, prayer is so important, but we're not just going to pray. We want to be about the work of shalom in that community. The brokenness is all around. You see it all around. You know, kids raising themselves, poverty, violence, uh, lack of a voice, school systems, all this shows up as brokenness, sin, right? The church of God has to be about the work of shalom in that place. How do we repair what has been broken as a result of sin? And so that's why we do certain things. That's why we don't just preach, right? We do. Uh, and we had, in order to, to, to heal a place like that, because I believe we're called to be ambassadors of reconciliation, the whole idea mm-hmm. of reconciliation. You know, if you look at that, therein is the idea of shalom, reconciling two broken pieces back together. Part of that is, is planting a church that understands what the actual needs of that community are. So we don't go in assuming that we know what the needs are. We're asking questions. We're doing community exegesis. We're finding out who are the persons of peace, who are the leaders. What are the real problems? We're actually asking individuals, if this neighborhood could be a place of hope, what would you want to see change? And if you listen to them, they may not even know God, but what they're longing for is shalom. What they're longing for is wholeness, peace, reconciliation, um, hope. And those are all within that whole idea of shalom that you see uh, referenced throughout scripture. Uh, reconcile, we are ambassadors of reconciliation. And so we sometimes stop at spiritual reconciliation, uh, but the reality is that um, as is in heaven, God wants it here on earth. And that's a prayer that if you're praying, the Lord's prayer, uh, that, that mm-hmm. you're realizing, man, if I'm praying that I'm asking for, as you said before, kingdom to be, kingdom to explode and expand to the realization that families can be made whole, uh, that conflict can be conflict can be resolved, that hunger can be addressed, that injustice can be addressed, that um, that there could be a whole community here, that police brutality would be eliminated, that injustice would, would be exercised on the street level, uh, in in the uh, uh, in the halls where laws are made, in the courtrooms, all those things. When that happens, when justice rolls down like a river, then there is shalom that must exist. And so that, that's what, you know, high level when I, when I think about Shalom and uh, mm-hmm. uh, desire to see that experience, part of that, part of seeing that or working towards that is praying for a place, but not just praying, serving that place, planting a church, not to just have Sunday morning service, but to actually minister <laughs> uh, from, from Sunday to Saturday, that, that we have a, a real incarnational presence there. And I believe Shalom breaks out. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think what what you said is so good, Kyle, because I think that's often missed is even the way Jesus prayed, right? So we, we look at uh, we look at the Old Testament first, and then how Jesus prayed, and mm-hmm. then when he rolls into the scene from you know really not people didn't know him, like in other words, he was in hiding, so to speak, because he was in Nazareth in his hometown, and comes out. One of the first things he does in a very public format on the Sabbath in the synagogue is to mm-hmm. talk about what he's come to bring. He's come to set the captives free, right? He's come to, to see oppression addressed and dealt with to see that the blind could see. Yeah. It's his mission statement. And really he it says from that point and all throughout the gospels, you see this, he would go place to place proclaiming mm-hmm. the kingdom, proclaiming exactly. the kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom and, and really bringing about 
the business of heaven to the earth and caring for the whole person, which I think often is missed too. I, I think we, we uh, limit and segment people. There's a spiritual part of who we are. There's mm. a mental part of who we are. There's an emotional part of who we are. There's a physical side of who we are. But in, in the gospel of Jesus and the, the kingdom work that he does, he cares about the whole person, which goes back to Shalom. When you care about the whole person, then wholeness can be reached, right? Like, because there, there's this whole comprehensive mindset yeah. that, that he brings. And I think it's a shame sometimes that we get too segmented, you know, and, and really throughout the gospels and throughout the epistles, uh, you see Paul having to address that again and again, because people wanted to separate the spirit and the body. They wanted to make mm-hmm. it like, oh, no, these are two different things. And he was like, no, no, no. <laughs> like we, we, the whole part of who we are matters to Jesus and belongs to Jesus. And he wants to see those things restored. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so, uh, you know, look no further than the book of James as well. Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's throughout, um, you know, and, and I think there's a, 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 a a rebirth, a re-understanding. I think we've so long existed with a truncated gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if I'm if I'm following the directive of Jesus left his disciples in John 20, 21, as the Father has said to me, so I'm sending you. Uh, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I'm taking his mission seriously in Luke 4, 18 yeah. to 20. Um, and so I, you know, I constantly reference that, um, you know, mm-hmm. that that's, yeah, if you need a framework, boom, there you go. And, and, and don't spiritualize it, you know. And, and my thing is, man, don't, don't spiritualize something that, that, that's really tangible that, that Jesus says and doesn't spiritualize. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like, I think sometimes what we can do is spiritualize it. I think we're so, we have such a hard time with seeing the dual meaning of something. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's, like when he says, the blind will see very true he wants to deal with our spiritual blindness right but he also cared about physical blindness too right like he cared about about yeah he actually healed people (laughs) right right like he didn't just be like oh you know what like i I see that you're blind but you know what (laughs) so i think it's it's really important that we understand and even the blindness that we have of our lack of awareness sometimes i think christians um when you depending on how long you've been saved and how much uh, you've been in a system or a structure, it's been rained down on you that this is reality. And I think the Lord is so kind to us to open our eyes, to let us see. And some of the ways he lets us see is, you know, through, you know, instances of things being filmed, like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the murder of George Floyd. I think that's been people's eyes are starting to be open mm-hmm. To that, not it's not a new reality. It's just a reality that they are starting to come to terms with in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's other things in our lives, whether you know there's issues that we have, whether um, it's dealing with you know the way that we process pain or handle emotions, mm-hmm. or you know there's all kinds of things. But he's so kind and good to us to give us the eyes to see. He never comes with condemnation, but with sure. conviction to compel yep. us forward. It's not to hinder us. It's to, you know, help us and to heal us so that there is a hope for the future, which Jeremiah 29 talks about, right? Right. That's the only verse that we talk about usually in that, <laughs> that whole passage is yeah. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, <laughs> plans to prosper yeah. you, to give you a hope and a future. But that's in the context of a lot of hardship. That's in the context of, hey, they're sent out. They're bringing the shalom. This was part of his plan. This was 
his goodness to them, even in a difficult and a painful situation that we wouldn't necessarily look at, nor should we say, oh, this is a good circumstance. And, he, and yet he gave them a redemptive mission that they were to be a part of. And so as I think about all that, uh, Kyle, one of the things that we've been working on together beyond our, our relationship with church planning and seeing the gospel planted is in a very tangible and real way, we for the last three years have been working with a group of diverse pastors uh, to move the conversation from just a, hey, you know what, like why don't somebody speak on this every once in a while to us actually digging deep and developing friendship and going through uh, books like Divided by Faith and uh, mm-hmm. having conversations, a lot of prayer time, a lot of lamenting, a lot of, hey, I don't understand why it's this way. And, you know, going back and forth and building a real meaningful relationships and connections. And I, I think that's really even translated uh, to a lot of, of guys. I think of specifically Ezra and John Cope, um, mm-hmm. not that they are alone in this, but to really say, hey, we want to continue this conversation. These are two Anglo brothers of ours. Um, sure. We want to continue the conversation, and we want to we want to support and follow the leadership of Kyle, just as I do as well. Because Kyle always says, you don't need to say that. No, I want to say that because I want people to know what an honor and a joy it is to follow you, man. I, I, don't, I don't have to follow you. I, I get to and I want to uh, because you're an incredible leader. I think people well, need to hear that. Yeah. To follow the good stuff, not the bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I was going to say, too, though, it's been interesting is watching those guys then as opportunities come up, whether it's prayer, walking, or ministry, sure. tangible yeah. ministry, or, hey, linking up and doing certain things together. That's been beautiful to watch. But then it, it led us to an initiative um, mm-hmm. that's called Mansion of Hope. And I actually wanted you – Kyle, to speak into what Mansion of Hope is, where we are in the process as you're able to share. And again, I know that there may be some things you're not able to share currently uh, because of, you know, and and it's obviously in process situation as well. Mm -hmm. But can Mm -hmm. you just tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, Mansion Hope, um, thinking in terms of uh, as a result of that, that, you know, Joe, you're part of that three-year process. We're still within it where we are uh you know compelled by god to meet together to discuss issues of race uh particularly with the church and 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 really reading and being committed and um it it led us to the topic of systemic racism and how um like we think about systemic racism and sometimes it can be this this nebulous concept uh but we we needed to put feet need to put some flesh on it. What does it look like? And so what the same thing I said about 52nd Market, um, West Philly, that's a neighborhood that if you wanted to see a picture of brokenness, you could look there. But in addition, if you want to see a picture, another picture of brokenness, that's even more so um, uh, than, than even that place. If you look by zip code, uh, the top, this is number two, Strawberry Mansion. Um, is number two with regards to poverty. If you look at the zip code poverty rate in the city of Philadelphia, it hovers at 50% of the residents. You think about the the 30 something thousand residents within the zip code that we're looking at, uh, it's number two with regards to poverty in the city of Philadelphia. And it's that way, not by mistake, but it's that way because of the systems that were in place 
white flight, uh, historical inequities, things that just really uh, pressed in on a community like Strawberry Mansion. And we have what we have today in that place, which is riddled by violence, hopelessness, drug sales. I mean, just, you can see all manner of things, all manner of brokenness there. And so in our meeting, uh, I was asked the question, you know, if, if we were to, as a group, not just talk, but address this issue, systemic racism, systemic oppression, where would we be? And, and look no further um, than Strawberry Mansion. This was a place that I've been praying about, uh, calling out to God, actually um, organized some prayer events down in Mansion. And I've been personally just praying, walking the streets, praying, Lord, can you, would you raise up a planter to plant here in Strawberry Mansion? And so, um, you know, I lay that out, shared it with, with godly men uh, within that group. And, and we took this on as an initiative to really be a ongoing presence in that community as a collection of pastors who have been working together uh, from different cultures, uh, different color, but yet unified together to say, look, we believe that the gospel addresses these type of issues and we want to see uh, the kingdom explode in a place like Strawberry Mansion so that we could see change uh, on the ground level, in homes, in institutions, schools, um, there's, you know, uh, rec centers, um, community orgs. I mean, there's, there's tons of businesses. We want to partner with them. And so uh, the initiative really is, to, is a four-phase initiative, which starts out, number one, you know, let's learn, let's be students of the context. And that's something that we'll always preach is, look, we need to learn from, we can't make assumptions about who these people are. Uh, people have been making assumptions about the people that live in Shorey Mansion for decades. And they've been prescribing remedies that don't really connect with that community and they fail. And so let's not do that. Let's be missiologists. Uh, let's go down, let's ask questions of the residents. Let's do our um, research. And so we're in the process of that. Let's connect, find out who uh, the community leaders are. Find out who are the persons of peace. Who are the unelected leaders within Strawberry Mansion? Let's find out. Let's connect with them. Let's hear from them. So we've done that. Um, and we've, we've connected with folks who are not necessarily the elected leaders there, but the whole idea of listening to them, partnering with them, uh, saying, you know, we may not agree on everything theologically, but we can certainly serve some people together. Uh, and, and our intent, you know, we, we have a desire to see change. We want to see transformation in that context. And so the whole idea of that and, and also establishing an organization whereby we, as a group of pastors in Philadelphia, South Jersey, can actually commit to serving that context. So we're, we're really, and the idea, idea is bringing a collection of churches together, uh, people resources, our networks, all those things together to look to see how, do, how does the gospel look on the ground here in this context? If we believe in the transformation power of the gospel, how will it show up in a place like Strawberry Mansion? And so we're in that process of saying, look, what, what ministries need to happen here? But we first have to ask those questions to find out what the real problems are. Um, and, and so we're in the process of that. The whole idea is that we'll eventually have a, uh, a, a, a place that is a compassion center there, as well as a church plant in Strawberry Mansion uh, that, um, that is there and is key to seeing transformation within that particular zip code, that context. And so Mansion Hope is that, is that vision 
uh, that eventually we will get to. Uh, and, and there are people praying all over the place. There are churches yeah. from Louisiana and, and, and Georgia who are praying, looking to partner with us, who committed to partnering with us. And so Alabama, we're excited about it. Uh, and it's coming together. But we understood as we in, endeavored to kind of take up this journey that we could not just simply be those know-it-alls coming in and taking over and saying, this is what you need. Here's take this, what you need. And we go out, we do a photo op, and, you know, a blog, and we go out and we're like stars. No, we want to see real ongoing transformation. That's what I call for an incarnational presence within that community over the long haul. Our real ministry is not this instantaneous weekend snapshot thing. It is, um, it's hard, it's arduous, it's, um, it's going to be painful, but, but there is so much joy in the midst of uh, uh, that, that ministry, seeing lives transform, seeing communities change, seeing children grow up in a community that, that has experienced shalom, wholeness. Uh, and so we want to we want to partner with God as He is already there, and there are there are folks already there in Strawberry Mansion serving and ministering. But again, you're looking at a place that has very few resources, um, that is struggling. Uh, they are up against gentrification mm -hmm. uh, that's happening in, in certain spots, and so you've got poor people being pushed out. Uh, you got people really neglected have been neglected for for decades, and so. Uh, we want to be a, 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 a source of hope uh, down in a place like that. Uh, and we want to do that collectively, collectively. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's, that's huge that you have white and black and, and other churches saying collectively, we want to park in Strawberry Mansion to see Mansion Hope become a reality. Yeah, that's so good. And I wanted to ask you too, uh, Kyle, like you, you mentioned and again, I know that <laughs> this could probably be a whole like a 10 podcast, uh, but you, you said in, within that context of Strawberry Mansion and Mansion Hope, what we're, we're looking to do, there's some systems, a lot mm -hmm. of systems there. Can you just, for those who are listening who are not familiar with that context, of mm -hmm. that environment, and even that idea of systems, because I think a lot of times we, we fail to see how they actually work together sure. and uh, the, the different systems and then why, um, even while there's good work going on there, you know, you're talking about years. Not, and I don't, when I say years, I'm not talking about like five or 10 years. I'm talking about, you know, I don't, I don't even want to put the, <laughs> the, the amount of years in it, but we're, we're talking about, you know, years upon years here. Uh, can, you, can you give a little bit of that? Sure, sure. I mean, you, you look at, uh, I mean, Strawberry Mansion became um, the way that it is starting back. I mean, the, the, the whole journey, uh, I mean, you look back in the 60s when, uh, actually in the 40s, when you look at, uh, it was once an affluent Jewish community, um, white flight. Um, you look at uh, just the schooling system. I, I, I grew up not too far from Strawberry Mansion in North Philly, but just the schooling system. Um, it's it's horrible in these communities, uh, and and when you don't teach it, and when you don't have the resources, and when um, there isn't the financial resource, there is there, there's a, a sense of neglect with regards to you know kids in our education early on, and it's within a particular zip code, you have hopelessness that's literally passed on from generation to generation, family to family. Uh, you've got unskilled, uh, you've got 
folks who just simply have poor education and they're not able to compete within the, uh, the marketplace. Uh, and so, I mean, you've got that. I mean, you've got really uh, the uh, results of um, uh, housing policy. Uh, and I mean, <laughs> there are several resources you can just pick up uh, to, to just see how housing policy creates ghettos. How, how housing policy really chokes out a place like mm -hmm. Strawberry Mansion, um, where you know uh, it just you know you you look down there and you see projects, um, you know public housing, and you have generation after generation being raised in public housing. Uh, just the hopelessness of of that alone. Um, some of these kids have never been out of their neighborhood. I mean, you've got financial, you've got uh, check cashing places. Uh, littered throughout Strawberry Mansion, Ridge, Ridge Avenue, and, and such. And, you know, if, if I earn $250 a week and I've got to give the guy to check cashing place uh, 20%, 10 or 20% of that check, that leaves me <laughs> with, with, with after taxes and, and all that, I'm taking home less. Um, so you've got that. You, you've got a community that is literally sucking air. Uh, a community that is that's stifled by hopelessness, um, you know, joblessness. I mean, you've got drugs and alcohol. I mean, uh, I mean, you can look and you can count on 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 your hands and feet the number of a stop and goes where 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 liquor is sold freely. Where you know, I mean, you've got all of that. Since so you've got all these dynamics, you've you you've got tons of just um, neglect. Um, misrepresentation, tons of just uh, hopelessness kind of piled on top of each other. And, and it, it really ultimately gives us what we have in a place like Strawberry Mansion. Um, you've got the, the lack of proper, uh, it's a food desert. There aren't uh, adequate supermarkets. Uh, you have corner stores raising kids. People get their dinner from corner stores. I mean, these are, these are places that that exists in America that a lot of us have just simply forgotten about. And I just mentioned just a few things. Yeah. Um, but if you look at our institutions, education, you look at, um, you know, even how this place is policed, uh, you look at, you know, just the food, just the economics, there, there aren't those things that you would normally see within other communities. And you've got hopelessness piled on top of each other, it becomes a disaster. It mm -hmm. becomes a disaster. And now you have gentrification, you have those who have, who have uh, really designed a system whereby uh, property values are slashed so that others can come in. And it is actually advantageous to get owners to sell their property at, at, at these crazy rates, selling them um, out of desperation so that that neighborhood could eventually be transformed because it's a more desirable location. Uh, and so you've seen that happen throughout Philadelphia uh, and if you trace a lot of this stuff back in the books, it goes back to a concerted, uh, a, uh, uh, an organized effort um, that, that, that really is uh, targeting uh, minority communities. Uh, it's been documented uh, repeatedly. It's in the books. And so uh, you have that. And so our, the whole idea of what we want to do is we want to actually uh, reverse uh, some of that and address some of that uh, to be about the process of restoration in a place like that. Yeah, I think it's so, so uh, not only sad and infuriating, I also think it tells us a lot too about what would it be like if we gave the same attention 
that they're doing for gentrification uh, now to make that, that kind of happen and you know the attention it gets now what if we would take that same type of attention and focus mm-hmm. on seeing restoration happen exactly. and shalom and i think uh mention hope for me as i listen to that i think it's so important because i think there's a lot of things we don't even understand because of our own experiences, um, especially the Anglo brothers and sisters listening. Um, but you take for granted even how wealth is accumulated. Like for example, uh, having a, a house that you've, mm-hmm. you've bought in a desirable location and how that is one of the most, the um, one of the quickest ways to have assets and, and, a, and wealth. And mm-hmm. even I saw that really play out in my own life. Not that, we had a huge house or anything like, you know, here, but my wife and I, you know, we lived in a place for about a decade or so um, in the, in the Allentown area. And we flipped the house because we wanted to take over the house that her dad built who passed away in 2011, but we couldn't mm-hmm. do that on top of like renovations without, without having the house to begin with, right. The first house sure. that was in a desirable location, um, easy access to the, throughout the Holy high Valley. Uh, right mm-hmm. by a major highway, but in a great school just district. And those are the things that I think often are not seen or understood, but are so important. And one of the things I took away, even as we, we did a prayer walk about, it's about a year ago now, which is kind of crazy because COVID, it feels like 10 years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with everything going on. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed, even as you engaged people, you know, there were people who were willing to talk, willing to be prayed with, um, you see even glimpses of beauty, like one of my favorite basketball players growing up uh, is Hank Gathers. And mm-hmm. right there is uh, the Hank Gathers Community Center uh, because Hank Gathers is, is from Philadelphia. And I think he's, is mm-hmm. he specifically from that area? I would think. Yeah, no, he's from, he's from here. My, uh, my brothers play, play basketball with him. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bo Kimmel and Hank Gathers. Uh, you know, my brothers play back. So it's, yeah, right there. I mean, that, that's, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and even watching that community center, like, so you see even, it's one of the, for me at least, and again, you know, we're still building that relationship with that community center and that, those leaders there. But I was like, man, this is really, the community center is such a beautiful uh, picture to me of what could be because mm-hmm. it was like a beacon of hope. And that's what community centers are meant to be, right? Like a beacon of, of hope in a place where they can go. And, you know, you think about like people like Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball and, and, and some of you are like, man, you're just kind of, I don't even know who they are. But look them up there, man, their story is incredible. It's really sad, you know, in a lot of ways what happened to Hank Gathers with his health. But, you know, I, I think uh, for us to even be reminded of what could be, you know, yeah. um, those, those, those powerful pictures, but it is, and I don't want us to discount what Kyle said, because I think there's a lot of, and I, and I say this in the most loving way, and you can rebuke me if you think I'm wrong, Kyle. <laughs> uh, I feel like right now we got a lot of like what I would call social media warriors. And I love mm-hmm. social media, and I think it's a great way to mm-hmm. some, let something be heard. I think right now, though, we need, we need some of that, but we need more of what Kyle's describing, which are warriors who are willing to put the work in, meaning – Hey, we're not, once this gets out of the new cycle, you know, and it's been in there for quite a bit because of several instances back to back and, you know, the protests, yeah, you know, all those things. But once that's said and done, you know, however long that's going to go, like, are you still going to be here? 
you know, are you willing to show up? Are you willing to put your hard hat on? Are you willing to do the deep, deep work of, you know, like I know Kyle reached out to several of us in that group and said, Hey man, would you guys be willing to send teams down mm-hmm. to do some, uh, canvassing, which is really a way for us to connect with the neighborhood and the community to fully understand what is needed. Because before you can do anything, you got to know what's needed because our, our question always should be, how can we help? Not what can I, you know, here's what I want to do for you. Sure. A lot of times the things sure. we want to do for them is not helpful. Yeah. There's more harm. And it, it goes back to this Messiah complex that we have to really be mindful of across the board that they don't need a savior. They need a, they need a, someone who's going to work with them and going to, Hey, yeah. we're, we're doing it together. And I think that that is sometimes what's really can be missed is that, um, you know, the, the long road that it's going to take and the, the staying with it. Cause we didn't get here overnight. Like it's been, yeah. you know, and I think that, you know, yeah, have we come a long way? I heard someone say, yeah, like, have we come a long way? We have come a long way, but you got to remember how far back we started. Uh, so that, you know, like, yes, yeah. but no, yeah. in the sense that like, there's more to go. And when you, when you have to go from ground zero of trying to create, um, communicate and to convince people of the dignity and the, the respect and honor of every life, uh, yeah. people of color, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you got a big hole that you got to climb out of. And then you see systems that support that. Right. And, and so as, as we think about that, man, I, I just, I think it's so important that we're willing to, to put the work in and mm-hmm. to really work alongside one another in it, because, you know, I think there's been a lot of people who've come probably through that. And there, there's some guys who've in, and gals who've stayed the course with Strawberry Mansion. But I also think there are a lot of people who like photo ops and want it quick. And really, yeah. it's to fulfill something in me that yeah. is broken. Like, hey, I'm going to come in. And I'm going to feel good about myself. All right, peace out. <laughs> but yeah. I don't want to sit in it with you. I'm not willing. Yeah. Well, and, that, and I think that that's um... – <laughs> You know, you mentioned that a place like Strawberry Mansion did not uh, become, it, Strawberry Mansion did not become Strawberry Mansion overnight. And, 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 and that's, what I, that's what I communicate when I, when I talk with churches or leaders that want to serve there uh, that, that may not be from uh, a community that looks like mine. And so I say it, it did not just show up. There, is, there aren't just Black people that want to live together in poverty. It was designed that way. And uh, because it was designed that way, um, who better than the church, the people that know uh, Jesus, to be about his mission in the world, his mission down in Mansion. And so it's going to take time to be able to unravel, to understand the the, the depths of depravity that created a place like that, that even helps it to exist. Because even with the systems that were from out, there are systems within. Uh, there are people who benefit off of the backs of their own people. And, and so uh, breaking those cycles is going to require ongoing presence, incarnational presence, faithfulness, sacrifice over the long haul. And so my whole thing is, I am. if you don't know, cool. Admit you don't know. Get educated. <laughs> listen Take the posture of a student, listen, <laughs> so that you can get actually earn, you can actually uh, develop your, your cultural IQ, uh, cultural intelligence, so that you can actually be able to serve 
the folks in that community. And sometimes it just requires some folks who have a heart but doesn't have the knowledge, take a back seat. Look at what others are doing. Look at what others have done and just listen, listen, listen. We are intentionally listening so that we can understand what the real need is so that we can address. Because you're, you're, once you pull back the layers and layers, I just mentioned a few things. I couldn't remember. I mentioned a few things. But one of the huge things is just an image problem. You know, the, the, the destruction of the Imago Day that has been uh, something that, you know, the African-American community has had fights against uh, from the beginning. Um, we've got to actually address that. How you address it? Well, we can address that by, by helping folks understand that they've been created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so it may be you just spending time with a kid that is at a very young age who always heard that black is bad and white is good. So helping them to understand the Imago Day that they have made an image of God so that they can develop some, uh, some confidence, self-confidence so that they can feel like they can do um, because the, the systems are there and they have to be addressed in a unique and different way. But that, that individual is there. And so they have to be served and met in a unique way. So that's why we, I say, man, one of our, one of the greatest low hanging fruits uh, in a city like Philadelphia when it comes to ministry are schools are schools and the younger the better if you hit up schools and, and you are mentoring and you are you are encouraging these young people you are working with these young people and, and you are pouring into them who they are uh, in God's sight and that God loves them uh, that's a start that's a start and it, it, it actually combats the whole idea the ideology of white supremacy um, and it lets them know that they are important too and so uh, and, and that is found in the pages of scripture. And so, you know, <laughs> you know, that is important in communities like this. And so we want to work. And so my whole idea is like, man, don't run from it, but come. And if you come, make sure that you come with a teachable spirit to learn uh, how to do this thing. Because ministry in mansion is not like ministry in, in, in another context. And we can't make that assumption. I think we do a disservice when we make an assumption. So, I mean, you, the, the work is multi-layered, it's nuanced. Um, yeah. And again, you know, there are different tools to understand that. There are different tools to understand that. Um, and it may not be simply you coming down at 24th and Allegheny, 25th and, and Allegheny, 25th and Diamond, mm-hmm. getting on a, a soapbox with a bullhorn and, 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 and preaching that way. You can preach other ways. You can serve in other ways. And a community like this, uh, desperately needs um, people who understand what it means to do contextualized incarnational ministry with a long, long haul and come with a posture of student. I'm learning how to serve these people. What I used to do, what worked back in the 50s and 40s and in other countries, other contexts, doesn't necessarily work here. But let's, let's, let's find out together how that happens. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I man, I, I have, I'm so excited about a place where Mansion Hope is, is going to do uh, in that in that in that place. Uh, but I know it's not an overnight thing. I know it's not a uh, flash in the pants. I know it's not just a spark. It's going to be an ongoing work for 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 years. And, and my my hope is that it's the headquarters of training planters, mm-hmm. planters, yep. developing planters, uh, pastors. Uh, right there in that context and sending them out, you know, as the father sent me, so I'm sending you. So we were actually launching out pastors and leaders who can serve in other communities in Philadelphia. And so 
I'm hopeful for that. No, I think it's, it's really important because I, I think as I look at where we are culturally right now, I think we need spaces like what we're describing. Um, we are desperate for it. We are more aware of it probably than we have been in some time where collectively we're seeing it. It's not just, you know, and some people are responding, you know, obviously uh, different ways to it. But I think one of the, my goals for it, um, even for me personally, is to say, hey, this gives us a path forward. It's not, you know, it's not the only way we can do something, but it's a way in which God clearly is at work here, mm-hmm. you know, and it really helps to move the conversation from, hey, you know, what, you know, what's wrong with this place to, hey, what are we going to do about this place? Like, what's God asking of us? And to, to join him in that, mm-hmm. uh, because I think we have a part to play in bringing his restorative good to our community. So if people wanted to get involved, you know, sure. I, and I know we may not be fully there. And one of the things I, again, I, I've said this throughout it, but I appreciate about Kyle is he has been very prudent throughout this whole time. And what the word prudent, just in case you don't know what that means, it's a word that we should all learn and, and strive to be is to look at it from every angle as much as we can see the good, the bad, and what is it that we need to address. So he's been really prudent to lead us through a lot of conversations and then to map out a plan. Um, I, I've referenced that document several times because it's so well done, but then to say, Hey, here's tangible steps that we can take. And obviously we have end goals, but I think it's important that we know in our own lives as well, that in order to get to a massive end goal, there's a lot of little steps along the way. So, 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 so Kyle, are there any, any things that people or any ways that people can get involved right now? Sure, sure. Uh, folks can hit me up um, at kcanty at nam.net. Um, that, that's the quickest way. Or uh, there is a Facebook page called Mansion Hope. Uh, it's mm-hmm. still under development, but you can actually like it. And uh, we're going to be posting information, how we develop things. And um, so, yeah, there, there, there are definite ways. And, and one of the things that, um, you know, we've developed, uh, that, you know, we, we've organized and, and it's official. And so um, we'll be rolling out some information. The summer is a great time. I mean, COVID is just kind of throwing a wrench in everything. But we are, are really looking to do some, some uh, community exegesis. Uh, we're looking to hit the streets this summer and to do more community exegesis. We've done some, but we need to do more. Um, and, and there are going to be opportunities to serve as well uh, in Strawberry Mansion. But uh, like that Facebook page, hit me up via email. Um, you can hit Joe up as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so, yeah, so, you know, there are ways to connect. Um, and we're, you know, we're going to be putting out a, a kind of a calendar of, of, of up, upcoming ministry. Um, but just, you know, COVID has just kind of delayed some things, but we are still meeting. Uh, we're still connecting tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow, we actually have a, uh, a silent prayer event at 25th and Diamond, uh, which has been organized. Um, someone asked me, hey, man, what are two locations where we can pray about, um, you know, uh, injustice and, and things like that and, and, you know, examples of injustice and, and how can we pray for communities that are hurting? I said 25th and Diamond. And uh, so we're, we're going to be meeting down there, uh, Christians from all over, we're going to be praying 
uh, that's an opportunity. Um, and we're going to have other opportunities to pray. But uh, I mean, we've got elementary schools that are uh, understaffed, teaching teachers that are overworked, uh, under-resourced, that we want to lend a hand to. Uh, William Dick Elementary School, which is also at 25th and Diner. Hank Gathers, they're open um, and, and looking for, for, for help, you know. They've got a, a really great staff there, but there are, mm-hmm. if you just go down there, there's tons of kids without anything to do uh, during the day. There, there are opportunities for, you know, I remember uh, Travis came down one time, we were around not too far from there. You know, he spread out a tarp, did like vacation Bible school, VBS right there for these kids. These kids were, they were on, cloud nine they loved it the energy that people brought um but it's you know one of the things we want to do is we want to do it together with other churches that are that are here we want to we want to localize it and we want to do it under the banner of uh of mansion hope so that so that people can know you because you get a reputation based on what you do and 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 how you listen Mm -hmm. so people are very leery people are very leery of folks coming in looking to profit off of poverty. And so they they know when folks are coming in looking to just kind of profit off poverty to get pictures and and leave very quickly. So there's a a sense of numbness there. So we don't want to do that. We want to be very careful that we don't do that. We want to be very careful that we go through and it's not uh, an all white group um, going down in mansion because of just the history, man. It's, it's so important that we understand the narrative of a place and things that trigger people. And so we want to be very cognizant of that. And so we want to be smart about it. And um, so, yeah, those are uh, yeah. the Facebook page and uh, just hit me up. And Yeah, I'll, I'll add one other thing about this. If you're listening to this and you're looking for something to donate to that's going to help to fight racial injustice, and bring about equality. I want to tell you, this is one of those things. Um, I'm not saying it's the only thing. <laughs> Cal and I both agree with it, but it's something we both believe in. Um, and so I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, financially giving towards this. We've uh, done the work and we're continuing to, to do the work to get our nonprofit status um, mm-hmm. and, and, to, and to do that. Because really what we're talking about it's not limited to money, but it is going to require some funds because there are things that we're going to need to do that are going to allow us to go there for the long haul. And even as we think about a compassion, a center down in, in Mansion Hope um, in, in Strawberry Mansion area, you know, mm-hmm. that's to, to fund that well, to do it well, not subpar, but do it well. We want to make sure we have the resources there. And then a church planner uh, who's planted the gospel through that, we want to be able to support. So as you hear this and you say, Hey man, I, I see a lot of what's going on right now and I want to do something. This sure. is something that you can do and know that you're doing it in the name of the kingdom of God, um, bringing his shalom, mm-hmm. fighting for justice and equality, mm-hmm. uh, the image bearer of God that each person has. Every child in Strawberry Mansion needs to know you are made in the image of God. Every mom, dad, grandparent, <laughs> every person in that place. Uh, needs yeah. to know that. And this is one of the ways that we can combat, about, combat that. So if you say, hey, I want to do that, you can uh, write a check out uh, to the Baptist Resource Network and then put in the memo line, uh, Mansion Hope, and we'll make sure that gets allocated to the right funds 
Um, you can do that online as well. You know, you can go through our, our BRN United website to do that. But we want you to know we're, t we're taking this really serious and we've been doing the work uh, to get us to a point where we can even ask you <laughs> to, to come alongside and resource us in that way. Because that, that is one of the ways that we're able to um, move towards it. And so, pal, as we think about that and as we think about marching together, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to ask you this last question because I, I think that it's important for us to know um, the pain that people are feeling, um, mm -hmm. especially after uh, centuries of it being a certain way. Sure. I wanted to ask you just a, a question. I'm asking you to speak on your own behalf. I always like to tell my black brothers and sisters <laughs> uh, that I'm not asking you to speak on behalf of every black person, but I do want to ask you as you've experienced so much um, pain trauma, fear, sadness, all these emotions that come along with injustice and inequality. How have you been able to process that? And I know it's an ongoing issue. And, and how would you advise us collectively? Because I do think there is um, sadness for, for the people of color and anger. And like, man, this is... I'd, but then on the other side, I'm watching even the rage start to, to come from the white brothers and sisters. And I think it's important that we, we learn from those who are doing it. And, and it's not that we shouldn't feel righteous anger. That's not what I'm getting at at all. Yeah. Or, uh, oh, no, this is all good. No, no, no. We need to call it what it is. It's evil, wicked, sure. sinful, wrong. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just curious from your perspective how you've been able to do that. Yeah. Well, um, I know I'm, uh, I'm sure to, I'm, I'm intentional about lamenting. I'm intentional yeah. about uh, thinking through not just a name, I'm Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Wright. I'm, 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 but I'm thinking about their life. And so as a man, I'm thinking about their family. I'm thinking about mm -hmm. their family. And uh, I'm, I'm sure to lament because I believe that that's uh, a normal human process that we must do. Because if you don't lament properly, if you don't weep, you don't mourn properly, uh, if you suppress it, it will come up in different and unique ways and uh, can actually create uh, uh, disease or dishealth or a lack of health wholeness. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure to do that. Um, counseling, man, um, I am an advocate of, of, uh, of, of, of sitting in front of someone and, and providing a visceral response. Um, this is this is what I'm feeling. This is this is what's going on internally. Uh, I do a lot of writing, uh, so I write my uh, feelings down. I'm sure to do that. I have to do that. Um, that's something that helps me to kind of process. Um, you know, some of the most unhealthy thing that you can do uh, is to remain on social media perpetually. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and one of the worst things that I can do. Um, and what I try not to do is read the comment section. <laughs> um, comment and, section is like cancer to your soul, right? I mean, it, it is, it is the worst. Uh, it is the worst to see believers oh, yeah. respond in ignorance, um, knowing better, but not wanting to do better. Um, and I see it and there's a lot of it. And so as far as to, to, to have a healthy soul, uh, I find that I must, um, I, I process a lot of stuff with my wife. We talk about it, uh, process a lot of stuff with my pastor. 
Dr. Anderson, we talk about it. Um, and, and I write and, and, I, and I believe that I, I need to talk with someone. And so I, I really need to talk with someone about the way my soul is feeling right now. A lot of, you know, of course, prayer uh, and reading. Uh, I have to constantly remind myself that justice is a part of the heart, God's heart. And God has a heart for justice because if I, if I were to focus on the, if I were to focus on celebrity preachers or, or, or the biggest voices on social media, sometimes I would walk away believing that within evangelical, I walk away believing that, no, it's not really, it's a fake thing. And, but if I read my Bible, then I know that I'm, I'm on the, the right side of this thing. And I don't need to be ashamed um, of that. And, and uh, you know, so it's, um, it's, it's, it's a good, popular thing. But I, I know that, um, uh, you know, I hit a wall a couple of weeks ago um, emotionally and uh, wanted to lash out. I, I try to, to not respond to stuff uh, initially. I try to wait, try to talk it out with others before I respond. But like I said, I get inboxed, emails, texts, phone calls, people wanting to know, Kyle, I don't know. I don't want to say something stupid or ignorant. What does this mean? Help me understand. And I am more than willing to help somebody understand and walk through. That's exhausting. It, it can be exhausting um, because sometimes you just want to be a, a person. You just, want to, you just want to exist, man. You just want to be, uh, uh, you just, sometimes you just want to be an American. But uh, I'm oftentimes reminded I'm a black American. And mm -hmm. there's a long history of that. Um, so, yeah, it's really, that's, that's really, first of all, I think it's really uh, commendable, man. Like, I think the way you just even laid that out for us all to think about, hey, are we lamenting what we need to lament? Yeah. Mm. We, we need to know um, injustice. Quality needs to be grieved. And maybe there's other places too that need to be grieved. Maybe there's, a relationship that's broken down or a financial hardship or a COVID-19 crisis that's impacting yeah. us uh, in a lot of different ways. And I think we're, we're told to lament, you know, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. But without the mourning, there is no comfort. Like, I don't, I don't think we understand that it works that way before the Lord were to, were to mourn. And then I think even to find people in places and like Kyle said counseling is such a gift mm -hmm. to have someone to really walk you through and and it could be a counselor and or a, a mentor you mentioned mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Anderson you know people like that in our lives to share what what's going on and, yeah. and I think and I think even writing out I think that's really an important thing too to write out what we're seeing like mm -hmm. in experiencing and feeling like that's even why uh, for me, I wanted to have you on already, but then I was like, all right, how do we tell this story? Like, cause there's mm -hmm. so much that we've seen together, Yeah. but I, I was like, oh, you know what? I should just ask him if he's over the vodka, but it happened because I wrote it out and yeah. I was like, all right. So like what, you know, in the same thing, what we talked about before, like, so writing out our feelings also translates to a vision that will come. So I think about mansion, mansion hope. There's a lot of prayers that you wrote out and a lot of thoughts you were speaking to God but then it translated into a vision. Yeah. Um, and really we see that through the book of Nehemiah as well. Mm -hmm. Then I also think we need to give ourselves some space from social media. I, 
my wife is really good to remind me, and I'm sure your wife as well. Yo, man. <laughs> step back. Step, Move step away back. from the keyboard. <laughs> don't, don't, don't look at the comment section. They're canceling that. Don't post anything today, man. Don't you post that. Uh, yeah. But I think also the, the part of that, which I think while you have done a great job at using your voice in these areas, I think we need to all be reminded we're humans. We're human beings. We're not human doing. And so when you're always on, whether it's through like text or inboxing or, you know, it's tiring, especially I think of um, my black brothers and sisters who are on the front lines leaving and a lot of people are coming to them mm-hmm. with a lot of questions. And it's like, all right, dude, like at this point, I was joking with <laughs> Dr. Anderson, like, have you thought about uh, creating an online course? At least you could charge for it and make some money, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, those master classes. No, you I'm joke on, with it. <laughs> I'm on to something, know? man. I'm going to tell you what, man, I used to, uh, I, and I, I still have the blog. Uh, I used to blog because of the questions and the thing that yeah. done. And I needed, I needed a place to, to kind of spill all that into it. So I, I began to do that. Um, and, and I still, you know, when I'm getting a repeated question, I'm like, okay, let me write about that. And so it, it takes me about a, a week to research some stuff and kind of frame some stuff. My wife is the writer in the family. She's yeah. an excellent writer. And so she'll help me tweak, but it's, uh, it's therapeutic. Yeah. It's yeah. Therapeutic. So, so all that to say, I think, you know, if you think about, Hey, I'm looking for another uh, source of income. Here you go. Start a master's class, get that thing <laughs> online. You're, you know, Dr. Candy. <laughs> I mean, but I'm serious. Like by the amount of times that you answer the questions, like, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, and again, I know we're kind of joking, but I'm, I'm actually pretty serious, too, because I'm always thinking in the vein of entrepreneurship. And I'm like, man, these guys are answering all these questions all the time. Like, you know, not that it's about, you know, the money per se, but it is about creating an opportunity for people uh, to learn and to own their education, you know, which I, I think and I think that is the rub a little bit. Like, are you willing to do the reading the listening, the watching. And if you're not even a reader, what's great about this time and age is there's so many great videos and yeah. even articles um, that are shorter that kind of give you a little bit of like, hey, here's what's going on. There's so many great things. So anyways, that's my idea for you. I, I pitched it to Dr. Larry Anderson. He, did, he, was like, he pretended he didn't hear what I said, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, I, was, I was like, did you not hear what I said? He's like, no, I heard you. But, uh, <laughs> so, well, listen, man, thanks for being on, <laughs> thanks for being on the podcast and thanks for just all you're doing, man. I'm grateful to be in it with you to call you a brother and a friend. And uh, thanks for modeling the way even with the, not only the leading out of these areas that we're talking about with equality and fighting for that and the Imago Day, but even for caring for yourself, man. Uh, I, I think it takes a lot of honesty to even know that um, there's walls that we hit. And I, I, I did want to say this as we wrap up here. I, I do want to just give a loving uh, caution and warning to us all. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're, we're running on adrenaline. And I, I'm afraid that's going to be a massive crash for all kinds of mm-hmm. leaders. Because, because we're kind of just riding a wave of adrenaline, one thing after another, after another, after another. Yeah. Do yourself a favor, pull away, turn your phone off, get outside, do whatever is going to fill you up. 
Um, yeah. But you need to attend. You need to attend to your your soul. And you know, a lot of people are are predicting that the mental health piece of this all is going to exponentially continue to increase. And so we need to be on the front lines because if we do not process the pain, it will process us. It will come out. It will, we'll lash out. We'll do things are, you know, the, it is traumatic. Uh, we've had a, this collective tra- tra- traumatic experiences um, of late. And so we need to process that, not run away from it and let the Lord do his work in us. So I just, that was the last thing I was going to add here. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I don't, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so man. Kyle, thanks again. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the, uh, man, just the opportunity. Appreciate the work that you all are doing up there in Allentown and, um, and, and, and just, uh, just always, man, supportive and helpful. So I really appreciate you. Appreciate your friendship, brother. Thanks for this uh, opportunity to just share. Yeah, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. And hey, I encourage you guys again, check out Mansion Hope. Read, mm-hmm. Hook up with Kyle. Hey, if you're interested to learn more about church planning, check out what's going on with our with Sin Network, but specifically Sin Philadelphia, yeah. uh, because we are looking for partners as well as planters. So, mm-hmm. man, yeah. and I be, I've, I wouldn't have Kyle on here if I didn't believe in him and believe in what he's about and for and the way he's going about it, because, man, there's some really good things happening, but it's a great way for us to get uh, connected into the way God's working here and beyond and to join him in his kingdom causes. Thank you, brother. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com. 